Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We can end church right there most Sundays because... I think when God does what he wants to do, there's really nothing else left to do. Sometimes we labor in our natural abilities, but God can do more in one song than I can do in 20 sermons. Amen. And so we take our time there and we'll cut when, uh, when appropriate. Um, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is JJ and alongside my wife Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving Journey Church as it's pastors, and if you didn't know that, that means you're a first-time guest, and we are so glad that you're with us. It's a big deal that you're with us, and if you're looking for a home church, we think that you found it because you're surrounded by some of the most amazing, special, beautiful, and broken people that you will ever meet in your life, and so Journey Church, don't leave me hanging. Put our hands together. Let all of our guests know how glad. Yeah, we are to see you. So glad that you're here. Thank you for taking the time. Keep it going for Journey Church Online. Journey Church Online. Come on, joining us online. We're glad that you're with us. Can't wait for you to join us in person again when your geography changes or your health changes or the situation in our nation changes. I know that you are dying to be in the room because there is something special about being in the room. But until then, God is no separator of, uh, of space. He will, he will meet you there just like he's meeting us here so we love you, and we're glad that you're with us. So I want to get into God's word, but before I do, I want to let you know we're headed as a church. I think it's important that we know that uh, church is not just about Sundays. It's about where we're going as a community, the things that God wants to continuously do in our lives. And next week, somebody say next week. Next week week is Easter Sunday, y'all. Yeah. It's going to be a great one. Uh, We're going to celebrate the day that Jesus came out of the grave. And and when he came out of the grave, uh, we came out of the grave with him. And so I'm uh, excited about that. We're going to have three services, 9, 15, 11, and 1 p.m. And I just want to say, um, they did a study uh, a while back, and they asked just people on the street, if you got invited to church on Easter Sunday, would you go, assuming that you don't go? And did you know that seven out of ten people said that if a friend invited me on Easter Sunday, I would go on Easter Sunday? If you invite ten people to church next Sunday, seven of them will come. And if you're like me and you've been praying for certain family members, certain cousins, uncles, sisters, brothers... Uh, children, parents, to and just to meet Jesus and to shift the trajectory of their lives, uh, then this is your opportunity this week. And so I hope that you do that. And then April 11th, somebody say the 11th. 11th. I, I like that Sunday even more than that Sunday, Easter Sunday, because April 11th, we're having Baptism Sunday. Yeah. And that excites you if you're a member of Journey Church. If you're a first-time guest or you're new to church, you're like, I don't even know what that is. And Baptism Sunday is really just the wedding band of salvation. I always say that. It's, it's our public. This doesn't make me married, you know. I made a promise to my wife, a commitment to my wife. That's what makes me married. But this wedding band confirms to other people that I am married. It lets the world know that I'm in love with somebody. And that's what baptism is when you come in and out of the water. And I'm excited to, to be able to be there on April 11th to do that because the last baptisms we had, the week before we had baptisms, I got covid and uh, Pastor Joey was baptizing people, and I was so jealous. I was like, that's my job. Get out of there. And I was baptizing y'all at home virtually. I was like up at the screen, just like, you know, just like, yeah. 
I live for those moments, honestly, seeing people come in and out of the water. And not just that, but when they put the microphone in front of them and they get to share the stories of what God's doing in their life. Oh, man, it changes me. It, it, it encourages me. It reminds me of what it's all about. So you can sign up for it if you want. But check this out. Um, we have already, we're three weeks away from that, and we have already have over 30 people signed up for baptisms on April 11th. Come on, give God some praise. 30 people. And so um, it's going to be a special one. You're not going to want to miss it. And finally, I know we don't have much time, but I do got to do this. I just want to say thank you to all of the volunteers who have been helping us renovate the building and the legacy team who has been giving generously to make that happen. God, we've had people at the building painting, doing electrical work. Uh, well, that's not true. I'm not doing electrical work, just in case there's any city inspectors watching. We're not doing any, not zero electrical work. But we are cleaning. Yes, we are cleaning and we are painting. And that is all we are doing. That's all we are doing. But, um, you know, the budget that we have for this renovation is just ridiculously, ridiculously low. And when I tell people how much money we're putting in this, my pastor friends, there's like, there's no way you can do it for that. And I'm just like, you don't know our church. And you don't know the people who have, people who work in different fields, uh, people who work for roofing companies, people who work for sprinkler companies. And everybody's just coming and just giving and just sowing into. And, and when you step into that building, almost is going to say the day that we plan to open it. But I'm going to keep it to myself because I don't know if it's going to really happen or not. <laughs> so... But whenever you step into that building, you just got to know you're stepping into a miracle, just a miracle that has been built not by one person, but by hundreds of people you might never even meet. And so I, I thank you. Can you give it up for one more time for all our volunteers? If you give, if you tithe, if you give offering, if you've been on that don't hold back, I can give it up for you too. We're just thankful for that. Well, today is a special Sunday. How many people know what uh, today is? Yeah. All right, we've got some Christians at church today. <laughs> really, Christians are the only one who, ones who know what today is. And today is uh, what is known as Palm Sunday. Holla at you, boy. I got a matching shirt with the sermon. Come on now. Yeah. Matching shirt with the... It's next level. It was actually an accident, but we'll own it. Palm Sunday... Now, Palm Sunday doesn't get a lot of credit. You know, it's not a big one in Christmas or Easter. Next week will be the biggest one, probably the biggest day in the Christian calendar, Easter. And it makes sense that Easter is a more celebrated holiday than Palm Sunday because Easter is the story of the victory. And everybody loves victory. Amen? Everybody loves a winner. Go Lakers. Everybody loves a winner. And that's why Easter gets all the respect, because it is a celebration of the victory when Jesus beat sin and the grave. But in my mind, Palm Sunday ought to get just as much recognition as Easter, because although Easter is the story of the victory, Palm Sunday is the story of the setup. And you can't have a victory without a setup. In fact, you would praise God on Palm Sunday like you praise him on Easter if you understood that your season right now that you're in is not a loss. It's a setup. 
If you understood that what feels like not going anywhere is a setup, you'd praise him differently in your setup. If, if you could realize what feels like an L in your life financially or relationally, it's not a loss. It's a setup. And you all ought to praise God in the setup just like you praise him in the victory. And Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, was a setup. A setup to definitively the most significant week in human history, Passion Week. Matthew 21, 6 to 9 is where the story begins. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And I want to pause right there because the thing that Jesus instructed them to do was weird. In fact, one could even say the thing that Jesus instructed them to do was a crime. Jesus told his disciples to go to find another man's donkey, to untie that donkey, and to take that donkey away from that man. <laughs> this is, I'm not making this up. This is the one time in the Bible Jesus tells his disciples to steal. And some of y'all are like, this is heresy. No, this is really what happened. Then the guy who owns the donkey stops the disciples while he's untying their donkey. He goes, excuse me. That's my donkey. And then, and, then, and then Jesus told the disciples to say it. And so the disciples said, when he tells you that, tell him that the master needs it. Wow. And so it's what he said. He said, the master needs it. And the guy was like, who? I don't know. And? <laughs> and they took it and they bounced. Some of y'all are going to try that at the bank this week. I know you are. You're going to try to withdraw $1,000. But sir, you haven't deposited $1,000. The master needs it. Right now, just walk up to people. The master needs it. Joink, you know, just <laughs> take it. Um, but it was obedience. I don't know if you know this, but obedience is a setup. When you do things that don't make sense in the moment, just because God told you to do it, I want to. It's a setup for a victory, even though it doesn't make sense obey, even when it seems contrary to social or cultural opinion or norms, obey, because on the other side of obedience, and the other side of the setup is the victory. Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Verse 8, and a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! I had to shout because that's how they did it in the Bible, just trying to bring you into the story. Hosanna! To the son of David. And what an appropriate title because the son of David is a reference to the Messiah. And the Messiah, if you're unfamiliar, is the savior of the world that the Jewish people were waiting millennia for. And so this is so significant because Jesus' entire ministry on earth was to die for the sins of humanity and to convince people that he was indeed the Messiah. And it looks like, of course we know the end of the story, but it looks like in this moment the world is finally accepting him for who he is, the Messiah, son of David. You're the one to save us all. We love you, Hosanna, glory in the highest. This is Jesus's peak moment. This looks like the fulfillment of his ministry, and it's amazing. It's amazing that after waiting thousands of years, they would recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But the only thing more amazing than waiting thousands of years to recognize Jesus as the Messiah is waiting four days after recognizing him as the Messiah and the arrest of Jesus taking place. 
And then five days after recognizing him as the Messiah, an execution of Jesus takes place. And then six days after recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, there's a grave and a stone in place. They were worshiping him on Sunday, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And on Friday, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Tell somebody the title of my message. A lot can change in a week. A lot can change in a week. Let me tell you something. If, if, if you are new to church, you probably think Sundays are pretty special. And I have to agree with you. No, we're not pumping anything special in the air. What you're feeling is the excitement of, of hundreds of people in love with Jesus. You're feeling passion. You're feeling commitment. You're feeling worship. And above all, you're feeling the presence of God. Sunday is special. And if you're new to church, you're feeling that. But if you've been coming to church for a long time, oh my goodness, is there anybody who can admit and testify that as special as Sunday can be, and as encouraged as you can leave, and as fired up, ready to take over the world as you can depart from this place. How many people be honest and say, yeah, but a lot can change in a week. You get the wrong conversations. You get the wrong emails from your boss. Your kid does the wrong thing. Mm. You could go from worshiping God on Sunday to cursing God out on Friday. Forget Friday. You could go from worshiping God on Sunday morning to cursing God out on Sunday afternoon if the right person cuts you off. If they mess up your order at McDonald's. If your kids get up, start fighting in the back and then you start throwing haymakers back there while the worship song is on in the front. And we'll say things like, why are you stealing my blessing? I left church with a blessing and you're going to steal my blessing. And it makes me so sad because if you go through enough of those moments, you're going to believe that this moment is fraudulent. That this moment is fake. That this moment is false. That this moment is, is because it can't last. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm starting to feel that, that some days it feels like the blessings that we receive in this place are, 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 are no match for the battles we face in those places. And I don't want it to be that way. This will help you. I think that changes in your life when the way you see Sunday changes in your life. If you want to change your week, change your Sunday. Change the way you see Sunday. Change the way you see church. Write this down if you're taking notes. Because church is not just where we go on Sunday. Church is who we are during the week. And I need to, I need to expand the definition of church to you because as long as church is the place where you find your blessing, where you find your word, where you find your encouragement, then not only do you find it here, but if it's limited to this place, then when you leave those doors, you also leave it here. Wow, yeah. You're you limiting what God wants to do in your life when this is the place and this place alone where God can speak to me, change me, and challenge me. And there's so much more God wants to do in your life. In fact, I would say we have it backwards. In the Old Testament, there was this building called Solomon's Temple. 
And you're like, who's Solomon? He's the king. He built the temple. And in the New Testament, we don't see Solomon's temple anymore. It gets destroyed, and now we've replaced Solomon's temple with Samantha's temple. And now you're like, who's Samantha? You. You are Samantha. Or Sam or John or Robert talking about you. You became the temple of God. God did not want to be. See, in the Old Testament, you would go and visit Solomon's temple on holidays. And God said, I don't want to be a person that you visit on the holidays. Who am I, your parents? I don't want to be a person you visit on the holidays. I want to be a person you take home to live with you. I, I, I wrote it this way. Church is not just inviting God into a public place, but God invading our personal space. He doesn't want to just be invited into here. He wants to invade out there. And he's been trying to do that all the way since Solomon's temple. It wasn't his ultimate plan to live in a building. You know what's so crazy? That for four and a half years, Journey Church has done everything in our power to get into a building, and we're finally in one. But for thousands of years, God has done everything he could to get out of a building. For thousands of years, he's like, don't box me in here. I want to be more than this. I don't want to just bless you here. I want to bless you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I've got more for you. And so I want to shift your expectation because your normal understanding of Christianity and church is that God can change my life on Sunday. And that's not not true. I believe that. But I want you to know that, he, that a lot can change in a week. A lot can change in a week. And so I got six points for you. Each one starts with the day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. These are not like six things you have to do to get to heaven. Uh, if you don't do them, you're not going to get there. I know six points is a lot. You're probably not going to remember them all. It's bad preaching. Here's what I just need you to do. Just listen and pick one. <laughs> just pick one. I might not even get through all six, okay? Just pick one. And if you can just pick one and apply one to your week, here's my promise to you. God can change your life, not just on a Sunday, but during the week. You can take this experience with you. You can take the blessings with you, the promises with you out of this building. So let's start with M. Here's the first thing you can do during the week to see change, and it is called miracle mining. I came up with it. <laughs> miracle mining. Albert Einstein said this, there are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. I got into an argument with my son, Justice, because <clears throat> often he'd be like, this is the worst day of my life. And I don't mind him saying that, especially if something really bad happened. But sometimes he'll find out he has an extra assignment and homework, and he'll be like, this is the worst day of my life. Sometimes, you know, his, his, there's no new episodes of his favorite show, and he's like, this is the worst day of my life. And I wanted to get him off of that extremist language, and so I said, you know, Papi, there, and I told him this, and you might or might not agree, allow me to try and convince you. I said, I don't believe that there are good days and bad days. Because he would say, he said, this is a bad day. That's what he would say. This is a bad day, Dad. This is a bad day. And I would tell him, I don't think that there are such things as good days and bad days. I think that there are good and bad in every day. And you got to choose, Papi, what you're going to focus on. Well, he's a debater. He, he shot back at me. And he was like, oh, yeah? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, how about the day you die, Dad? Is that a bad day? I was like, are you getting smart right now? <laughs> I'll come at your dad like that, little boy. 
do not come at your dad like that. I said, what about the day you die, dad? Is that a bad day? I said, son, well, even the day you die is the day you get to heaven. So really, once again, it's all about how we choose to look and focus on what parts of the day. So finally, he, he submitted, he surrendered, and he, he was like, well, how about, can I just say a day is mostly bad? You know, he's like, he doesn't want to give in. So like, can I just say a day is mostly bad? I was like, I, I mean, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, what, do I let him go with this? I'm like, man, I guess you can. I mean, I would think that most people would say that days are mostly bad. Nobody wakes up in the morning, finds $30 in their pocket, goes to work, gets a promotion, comes back home, kids bring home the A, you go night and you have, you know, the best intimate night of your life with your wife, and then, and then, you, and then you know, the new Marvel movie comes out, like, who has days like that? <laughs> Most of the time you wake up, you're tired, you go to work, you're late, you know, you, you come home, and some days the best thing that happened to you was you didn't die. And, 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 and he was, and, and I told him, I said, so I made him write a list. I said, write down all the things that happened bad today and write down all the things that happened good today. He had one page of bad things. He had two lines of good things. He said, that's, I'm sorry, Dad, that's all I could think of. So then I had to get into his world. And I was like, I see what you're, what you're doing here. You, you're just looking on the surface, son. And I had to get into his world. I know he plays this game that a lot of kids play and, and grown adults play. And it's called Minecraft. All the men here are like, I don't know what that is, right? but you should check out my world. <laughs> Minecraft, it's, it's this game where you dig for stuff and, and you create stuff and you build stuff. I said, Papi, where do you find the ore? Where do you find the diamonds? He said, under the ground. I said, exactly, because on the surface of the Minecraft world is always dirt. I said, Papi, in life, on the surface, it's always dirt. If you want to find the gems, you got to mine. You got to dig. I, I can't stand people who complain. You know why I can't stand people who complain? Because it takes no skill whatsoever to pick up dirt. But if you want to live a life of value, you got to be able to mine through the dirt to find the gems in your life. I know that today was mostly bad, but can you dig up a diamond? Can you find something that went well? Can you look at that, focus on that, present that to the Lord and go, thank you, Jesus, for what you did in my life. Look at this. It was a lot of dirt to dig through. It was a lot of problems to come across. But look what you presented in my life. Digging through it, I'm a mind for it. This is what, this is what worship is, y'all. Yeah. It's, it's mining for a miracle. I love worship because worship helps me disconnect, but in a healthy way. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, there's some unhealthy ways to disconnect. Like, I'm going to just be the person to admit it right now. TV yeah. is the unhealthy way to disconnect. I do it, but I do it. Mm-hmm. I love me some TV. I love me some TV. Liz is like, what do you want to do at dating? And I'm like, TV? <laughs> I love TV. And I shouldn't as much as I do. And the reason why TV is such a problem is not because you can sit in front of it and watch it and, 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 and you know, like, check out. Because we all need that every once in a while. The problem is they figured out a way to put TVs in your pocket. And so now, whenever you want to disconnect, you don't have to be in front of the TV. You just got to pull out your phone. And, and the reason why it's unhealthy is because when you pull out your phone or watch TV to disconnect, you don't just disconnect from your problems, you also disconnect from your blessings. In fact, not only do you disconnect, you disconnect your blessings because you're not seeing all that you have. At the same time, you're not seeing all that you have. You're seeing everything that everyone else has. 
So, so, so I disconnect, and it's, not, and it's not healthy. The reason why I love worship, when I come here and we play the music, and people are like, oh, you just look like you're escaping. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> but the reason why this is healthy is because I'm not using worship just to disconnect from my problems. Worship is helping me disconnect from my problems because it's connecting me to my blessings. When the music plays and they say things like, great is your faithfulness to me. Because I have to sing it, I force myself to remember it. I connect myself to the miracles. I connect myself to the blessings. I connect myself to what God's doing in my life. The problem is you can't take this worship team with you home. So what melody do you have for Monday? If you can't take these people home for you, and I want to tell you, the melody of Monday is not the music. The melody of Monday are the miracles. I wrote it like this. On Sunday, the catalyst for worship is the music. But on Monday, the catalyst for worship are the miracles. When on Monday, you got no band playing for you, you know what inspires worship? Miracle mining. When you start to look around at the things you have, and all of a sudden, worship goes from a song that you sing to a way that you live. Have you ever seen somebody who just got music playing in their head all day long? Raise your hand if you are that person who's got music in your head playing all day long. Are you, look, you know how weird you look in public? You need to know. You filing papers, you just... Eating your spaghetti. Taking showers. When you keep your eyes on the miracle, worship goes from a song that you sing to a way that you live. So you go to work, the job that you're not a big fan of, and you go, I got a job when millions of Americans are unemployed. Yes, I do. I got a job. I got a job. I'm driving in my car and not taking the bus like thousands of people in Orlando. And when I come home, I'm going to come to my wife who loves me and she ain't busted. I love people. I love... I'm just saying, I wish you would live your life like that with every miracle on your mind and every blessing on your heart. And every time you go to that job you hate, you go, man, I'm just glad I got one. And every time you can walk, be like, man, I got legs. Man, thank you, God, for the legs that I have. We cannot limit worship to a song. Worship is a way that we live our lives. And I just want the song to keep going in your head. I just want the song to keep going in your head. Just starting to keep going in your head. Just keep going. That was just Monday, y'all. I'm going to just jump to Saturday. No, I am, I am, I am. I just feel it. I'm going to just jump to Saturday. Because five days is a lot to cover in nine minutes. <laughs> but, 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 but I think this is, is, is important. It's important. Saturday. We just, we just go with it. Is that okay? We're just going to go with it. Saturday, 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 Saturday. Something you got to do during the week. Here's what we'll do. We'll post the 915. And the 915, I got through all of them. So that's the 915. Don't boo your pastor. How about this? I'll give you the names of them, but I won't jump into it. Okay, so on Tuesday, there's trouble sharing. Here's what I mean by that. You got to be willing. If you want ministry during the week, you got to be willing to be ministered to during the week. And so what you have to do is you have to be willing to open up your life to people and you have to be willing to help others when they open up their lives. A lot of times we're afraid 
to cry around people because we think we're ugly criers. Yeah. Raise your hand if you think you're an ugly crier. Okay, here's the secret. There are no cute criers. <laughs> nobody, nobody cries. You're like, oh my goodness, the way your mucus is dripping <laughs> from your nostril. It's just like so beautiful. It's not. The question is, are you willing to go through the, your process at the sake of your appearance? Come on, come on. And not only that, not only are you willing to share it, but are you willing to bear it, but are you willing to share the troubles of others? Here's what I love about church. Church is a group of people who share each other's troubles. Yeah. We just sit with each other when they're hurting. That's church, y'all. I love it when I hear stories from small group and, and it's like this woman can't pay her rent and, and the small group found out about it and they raised up money to help that young person or somebody's a home gets struck by lightning. They lose everything they have and someone in their group actually buys a week's worth of clothes so that she can have clothes for her and her baby. While, and that's not even a fake story. That's a real story. Somebody's house got struck by lightning and her team rallied together. The Journey Youth rallied together and Journey Kids rallied together to help put clothes in her family because they lost everything in a fire. This is what the church should be. Wednesday, word attending, word attending, word attending. Here's the big deal about this. Uh, Jesus is in the desert and the devil is tempting him and the devil is saying, uh, things, and every time the devil says something, Jesus says something right back. And every time Jesus says something right back, he always responds with the word of God. And here's my point. If Sunday is the only day you hear God, then who are you listening to the rest of the week? If, if Sunday is the only day you hear from God, then who are you hearing from Monday through Saturday? And you need to be in your word Monday through Saturday more so than just to, to learn from it but because you can't pay attention to two people at one time. And so if I'm in my word, it's like, I'm, you know how when you're watching TV, going back to the TV, TV's a big part of this message today. You know how when, when you're watching TV and your wife says something to you and you hear sound waves, but not really words? And the reason why you can't pay attention to her is because right now you're paying attention to the game. I'm just telling you, you can't get the devil to shut up. Do not expect the devil to shut up. He will talk and talk and talk and talk. Will, will I ever get to the level of Christianity where he stops talking? No. He will talk to the day you die. He will talk. But just because he's talking doesn't mean you have to pay attention. If you got your eyes on something else, you can't. All right, here's Thursday. Here's Thursday. If you want to make it through the week, you got to take some time off. Thursday's time off. You better rest. You better rest. There's a study going on right now. People are working from home because of COVID, and they say that because they're not clocking in, they don't know when to clock out. Their hours are crazy right now, and, and they don't know how to rest, and you need to learn to rest. I'll never forget the day I was in prayer in my Bible college, and we wake up at 6 a.m. to get to prayer at 7 a.m., and every day they would, they would, uh, we would pray, and we would press in, and, and I remember one day my pastor walked into the prayer, and he said, all right, guys, today we're going to do something different, and I just wasn't, I was just feeling it that day. I was super tired. I didn't want to do anything spiritual, and so, and he was like, and I was like, he could probably make us Jericho march around this building, or take out oil, and lay hands on people. I was not for that, and he said, not right now. I'm tired, and he said, I want everybody to pick a row, and I want everybody to take a nap. It's one-hour prayer service, so I want you to take a nap for an hour. That was the first day I spoke in tongues. <laughs> uh, right there. I was like, okay. I never forget, I woke up from that nap so refreshed, 
so rejuvenated, so ready to take on whatever God would allow the enemy to send my way because when we rest, we're reminded of our why. When we rest, we're reminded why. We, when there's nothing to do, we're reminded of, of what God wants to do in our life. I said it like this. Listen, when we overcome challenges, we are reminded that God is bigger. When we overcome temptation, we are reminded that God is better. But when we rest, we're reminded that God is beautiful. When you don't need God to do something in your life, you can appreciate him for who he is. And we put ourselves in situations where we're always asking God. I'm not saying, he said, asking you shall receive. But, but rest is when you just sit. This is why I think, and I know we left our Love, Sex, and Marriage series a while back, a couple weeks ago. But I think this is why so many relationships have trouble sticking together. Because they get caught up in the doing. Taking the kids to the soccer games and, and going to work. And, 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 and that when we don't rest with the person that we love, we forget why we fell in love with them in the first place. We forget that they're beautiful Men and women, they're beautiful individuals. So when we rest, we're reminded of the beauty of God. I'll never forget when, I, when my wife and I, Friday what? Oh, we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> she thought I forget my mom. Mom. Um, I'll never forget when my wife and I were dating, and, and, she, and we were in a convention center, and, and she said, I, I heard, overheard her. I was still trying to impress her. She was like, I'm thirsty for some orange juice. I don't know if she meant it or not. But in the middle of the church service, I walked if I were to say a half a mile, I wouldn't be exaggerating. I left the service, walked a half a mile, and I got the orange juice, and I popped back into that service. I was like, hey, heard you said you were thirsty. <laughs> Here's some orange juice. And I gave her the orange juice, and I felt like such a hero. And I thought, what would possess a man to, to leave a service, walk half a mile for a, a bottle of OJ? A beautiful woman. Yeah, but when God is beautiful, you do things that you wouldn't do. So don't let him not stop being beautiful. F Friday, faith building. Faith build. The week needs to be faith building. Why? Because Sundays is faith stirring, but the week is faith building. See, on Sundays is when I'm like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, and I shout, but you, don't, you can't take me home. And so I'm trying to stir your faith. I'm trying to give you lessons in the Bible that will bless your life. But Sundays is just the day you hear them. That hearing it alone is not going to build your faith. You actually need to go home and do the things we talk about on Sundays. So Sundays is for faith stirring and faith receiving, but the week is for faith building. James says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone, it's on the screen, who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Imagine if in the morning you woke up, you looked into the mirror, and you were like, dang, that needs some work. <laughs> this eyebrow is over here. This, I got eye crust over here. Why is my hair lopsided? I didn't know I could pull off an afro. This afro, I didn't know that I had that ability. It might have known I had those hair genes, but there it is. And, and, and why is my face off color? Why is this side of my face red and this side of my face one color? And, Imagine if you looked at yourself in the mirror and you go, dang. Ha, well. <laughs> and you just go to work. <laughs> and then your boss looks at you and he's like, excuse me? Uh, do you have a mirror at your house? Sure thing, boss, got a mirror. Uh, did you look in it? 
Sure thing, boss, looked in it. Well, can I suggest to you that the next time you look in the mirror, you do something with what you see looking back at you in the mirror. It does you no good to know what you look like if you're not willing to change what you look like. This is why you can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and see no change in your life. Not because you lack information or revelation, but because you lack application. You won't do. So then we come back Sunday after Sunday. Oh, pastor's preaching the words. I heard that message before. Yeah, because you didn't do it the last time. So I had to preach it again this time. So hopefully you would do it the next time. Got to get it in order, man. Well, pastor, just tell me what God wants to do with my life. I did. It was called the preaching. The flipping preaching. It's what God wants to do in your life. Let me ask you a question. I wrote, I wrote it like this. Is your problem that you don't know what to do or that you don't want to do what you know you should do? That's application. Here's Saturday. Saturday is for storytelling. You know, a big part of our faith is not just what gets you through the week as a Christian is not just reading your Bible and praying. You might have heard that and singing songs and, and obedience. I've touched all of those in, in my own way. But there's another spiritual discipline that the believer needs to apply to their life. So if, if you're not a Christian, this is what we do during the week. If you are a Christian, are you doing this during the week? And the other thing in, in theological worlds, or if you go to another church, they might call it evangelism. It's when you tell somebody about Jesus, but, but I think it's more than that, and I like to call it something else. I actually taught evangelism at university level. I love the idea of it. I never liked the word, though. I always preferred to call it storytelling because what I'm doing when I tell you about Jesus is I'm telling you about his story and about how his story intersected my story. It's storytelling, and, and this is a part of the, of the disciplines that every believer should have during the week. We gotta be able to tell our story. One time in the book of John, Jesus and the disciples were walking and they saw this blind guy. And, and as they saw this blind guy, the disciples said, hey Jesus, whose fault is it that this blind guy is blind? He was blind from birth. And so they said, was it the fault of his parents or was it his fault? Did he do something bad that he would be blind from birth or did his parents do something bad? that he would be blind from birth. And Jesus said, nobody did anything bad. The reason why this man is blind is so that the glory of God can be revealed in his life. And then Jesus makes some mud, puts it in the guy's eyes, heals him, and, and they go on. But it got me wondering if the disciples were, were asking themselves the question, whose fault is this? I bet the man asked himself that same question every day of his life. Every day he woke up and he had to stumble to the, to, to, to the river to get something to drink. I wonder if he asked himself, who did, who, why do I do, who did this to me? Whose fault is this? What did I do to deserve this life? What did I do to, what did my parents do to deserve this life? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation so frustrating, so demoralizing, so discouraging that your only response is to focus on the problem itself, look for someone to blame and say, what did I do to deserve this relationship? What did I do to, reserve, to deserve this, this situation? What did I do to deserve that diagnosis? What did I do to deserve the loss of a loved one? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this? You know what your problem is? Let me help you. Your problem is that you're just looking at the problem. 
I'm not a math guy. I, I, I did not do good in math in school. Uh, when I went to college, they made me take other math classes before I could take real math classes. It's like remedial or whatever they called them. And they were like, you're so bad at math, we're gonna give you a fake class just to get you ready for the real math. So I took that. But here's one that I can nail. Throw it on the screen. Eight minus five. That's my kind of math. Virtual school is getting on me right now. The kids are in virtual school. I'm like, your math is beyond me now. And I'm like, and you're in the fourth grade and that, I feel bad about that. Sorry, I can't help you more. But if you need anything from the Bible, I'm your guy. <laughs> Can do this. The problem with this problem is that it's incomplete. Because in this format, please catch this. God, I hope you catch this. In this format, we're only looking at what's been taken away. Five's taken away from me. So many of us are stuck in this right now. Look what was taken away from me. This was taken away. She was taken away from me. He was taken away from me. It was taken away from me. That was taken away from me. This is taken away from me. And when you focus on the problem, you forget. Here's what I remember learning in math, that every problem has a solution. So you can't just look at 8 minus 5. You have to understand that 8 minus 5 equals. And I want to pause here on the equals. Because if you understand that every problem has a solution, you'll stop focusing on the problem and you'll start asking yourself, I know what's been taken away. Wish I had a dad, he was taken away from me. But now that that's been taken away, I wonder what this problem can equal. I wonder what can come out of this problem. And, and so, and so, uh, and so I'm going to help you. We're going to solve this problem together. I want you to throw out the answer to this problem on the count of three. Yell out the number that is the answer to this problem. And, uh, and if you're working the screens, I don't want you to actually put the next slide on. So hold off here. All right. One, two, eight minus five equals... Hold up. But that number actually has a name. You know, when you take two numbers and you multiply them together, that's called the product. When you take two numbers and you add them together, it's called the, yeah. But when you take something away from something else, that number's called, go ahead. Oh, my God. Something had to be taken away so that you could make a difference. Good God. Let me say it to you this way. Are you ready to have your soul fed? Let me say it to you this way. You can't make a difference in life until something is taken away. I heard someone say, do I have to go through loss to be an effective minister? Yeah. You do. You do. Do I have to go through pain to be able to help others? Yeah. You do, because you can't make a difference until something is taken away. And you don't understand what you've been left with, because you think you lost it all. But God left something. John chapter 9, verse 25, the blind man replied to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, I know nothing about that one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure, teacher. I was blind, but now I see. Do you see what he's got now? Do you see what he's got now? He's got a story. 
He had something taken away, but he was left with the story. You got to understand that your weapon throughout the week is the story of what God did when he allowed something or someone to get taken away. I got a friend right now. He's been married for, I don't know, eight years trying to have a baby. Pray for him and his wife every day. Close, close friends. I haven't been able to do it. And now, and, and he'll text me sometimes and we'll be sad together. But I tell him, I go, man, you know, but, 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 if, it, but if it had happened on your first shot, you'd have your baby. But what would be the story? Can you imagine when you hold him and people ask you why you named him Promise? Why you, why you named him Faith, her faith. The story you'll be able to tell. God, we all want a story, but we don't want nothing taken away. I, 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 I'm sorry he played you. I'm sorry she played you. I'm sorry the relationship isn't over. But imagine on your wedding day with the person that God intended for your life. Imagine the story. I thought this person was the one. That was for sure. We had names picked out. But because I lost that, God brought this. The story. It's my last line. My story makes a difference. Your story makes a difference. And I love the blind dude. The blind guy is my dude. Because he is not smart in the, theolo in the theological or even the biblical or the religious. The Pharisees kept asking him questions. I want to tell you something. Next week is Easter. I'm not asking you to invite somebody. Just, are you willing to just tell your story? Well, I don't really know the Bible that well. I don't, I'm not asking you to preach, bro. I'm not asking you to teach, you know, the seven dragons in the book of Revelation. I, you don't need to know all that to tell your story. That's what, that was the blind guy. They were asking him a whole bunch of Bible questions. He was like, I don't know any of that. But this I know. I was blind, and now I see. <laughs> hey, you need, to, you need to invite somebody to church next Sunday because they're going to come on Easter. And when you ask them, hey, you come to church, they're going to say, what kind of church are you? Pentecostal? Baptist? Reformed? Are you, are you pre-saved, once-saved, mid-saved, post-tribulation, a-tribulation? What are you? Once-saved, always-saved? I want you to know. Jesus only? What do you got? Here's what you tell them. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> but this I know. I was blind, but now I see. I was broken, but now I'm restored. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was addicted, but now I'm free. I was alone. But now I have friends. I was hopeless, but now I have hope. I was anxious, but now I got peace. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was empty, but now I'm filled. This I know, this I know, this I know. I've got a story to tell.
story. You got a story to tell. So tell your story about what was taken from you and what you found and the difference that it made. You got a story and you can make a difference. And next Sunday, forget Sunday, it's the week. A lot can change in a week. We got people in our lives. A lot can change in a week for them. A lot can change in a week for you. And Sunday's gonna be that come back home Sunday, I can't wait. But the reality is there are people who are here right now who need to come back home already. Your story's been going one way and God's gonna turn your story right here, right now. He's gonna turn your story right here, right now. Every head but every eye closed. You're in this room. Your story was headed one way. You can't do the whole I can see. You got half a story. I'm blind. I'm, I'm a leper. I'm sick. I'm empty. I'm down. I'm desperate. I'm fearful. I doubt. That story pivots today. If you're willing to make a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that the restoration happens in a moment, but the decision happens in a moment. This is the turning of the page of your story. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room and you are ready to give Jesus a shot, ready to turn the page, ready for the next chapter in your story, on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand to the sky as a signal to the Lord. I need you in my life. I'm ready to turn the page on my story. All over this building and online. All over this building and online. If that's you, you can put it in the chat. Raise your hand there. On three. One, two. I need Jesus in my life. One, two, three. Right now. Raise your right hand right. Raise it high. Raise it high. Come on. I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Come on. Hey, if you raise your hand, we're not going to leave you alone. We're going to walk this out with your church because you've got people willing to share your trouble. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me, but here's what they do. We're going to pray with you so you don't have to do it alone. So all over this building, whether you raise your hand or not, let's pray this prayer right now. Father God, my story was headed one way, but today my story heads your way. Forgive me for my life and my choices and my decisions my poor decisions that have led me to this place. Today, I turn the page. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I come alive. Today, I start new. I was blind, but now I see. I was empty, but now I'm full. I was hurting, but now I'm healed. I was alone, but now I have friends. I was broken, but now I'm restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.